about something today that happened in my life this past week. And I am speaking primarily today to people who already are followers of Jesus, who have a relationship with Jesus. And I am, by something that I'm going to talk about in a second, by something that happened in my life, I am calling us out and calling us up. I'm I am calling us on the carpet, for lack of a better expression. And so that is the framework for today's message. That is the context to keep in as we talk about this. I was at the gym this week. I know I don't look like Noah. I don't know. There he is right there. Noah has muscles on muscles on muscles on muscles. And I don't understand how, dude. Every time I see the guy, he's eating, like, junk food. He's eating, like, he'll be outside, I guarantee, eating popcorn and hot dogs after the service. And if Noah came up here and flexed for you, you would all, church would be over. We'd have to go home. <laughs> all that to say, I do go to the gym. I just don't look like Noah. And I was at the gym last week, and I have, it's gotten to the point where me and Jen have to go to the gym at different times. Because Jen is very intense in her workout. She is in the zone. Like, if you try and make eye contact with Jen, most times the Jen, at the gym, it's very difficult. She is like, she goes from one machine to the next, and she is fast. She's on a mission. She's zooming over here. She's, my friends, actually, I haven't told you this. They come and, like, laugh about it. They're like, oh, we saw Jen this morning. I was like, oh, did you say hi? They're like, no, no. <laughs> she, like, usually has a hat on pulled down over it. She'll be on the treadmill, like, mm, just, like, grind. Not, like, not, not the treadmill, the Stairmaster. She goes on the Stairmaster. Oh, she does, the, she does the mountain now. She goes outside. But we go at different times because when I go to the gym, I have a bunch of, like, dudes that, that I work out with. And if anybody goes to the gym, you know that you get, like, these gym bros and you start working out. And you kind of, like, you know, you work out, you do a set, and then you talk to your friends for a few minutes. And you go back and you're like, okay, I've been talking for five minutes. I have to do a set now. Uh, um, it's so much so that one of my friends last week... Thursday, I was at the gym, and uh, I was talking to one dude for like five minutes. He came over to me, guys, just so you know. I don't follow these people. Around. He came over to me, and I stopped. We were talking. He left. Another dude came over, and we talked for like 10 minutes. And then at the end of that 10 minutes, Jen shows up while I'm talking. And another dude is standing on another machine watching us all. And I talked to Jen for like another five minutes. So it's been like 20 minutes of just talking. And my buddy says to me, He's like, I figured out why you come to the gym. He said, you know, everybody comes to the gym for different reasons. Yeah, he said, some people go to get muscles like Noah. Some people go for like social interaction and mental health. He said, I realize that you come to church to practice for preaching because you just stand around talking the whole time. <laughs> he thought it was hilarious. Guys, he thought it was hilarious. And so I have these guys that I talk to all the time. Last Tuesday, I was at the gym. And I want to tell you about a conversation that I had with one of my friends who came in. Now, I want you to understand this guy is not a follower of Jesus. He's never given his life to Jesus. He didn't grow up in a Christian home in any context. He doesn't have parents. Um, he's not one of those family. Like, I didn't finish my thought there. He has parents, obviously. He doesn't have parents that took him to church as a kid is what I was going to say. He, he didn't grow up in one of those homes where they sent him to church on Sundays because they wanted him to grow up with good moral values and good, good things like that. He just grew up the way he grew up, never went to church, all that kind of stuff. He's a grown man now, and he's got three young kids, and his first child is in grade one. 
And I want to tell you what this conversation, and I want to tell you exactly how the conversation went for context of what we're going to talk about, okay? And so give me some latitude and leeway as I recount this conversation that I had with somebody who wasn't a follower of Jesus. So this man, no Christian values per se. Obviously, he's one of, the, he's one of those guys, he's a good dude, okay? He's got good, good values, right? He, you know, he kind of like most of us in North America follows the Judeo-Christian values. You know, primarily they believe things like you shouldn't kill and you shouldn't have an affair and you shouldn't do all, you shouldn't lie and cheat and steal. You know, all those things that we find in the Ten Commandments. He follows those kind of things by and large. He comes up to me, we're talking, we're, I think I'm getting my shoes on and he's taking his off, changing shoes or something. I was like, how was your week, man? It was good. It was, yeah, he's like, let me tell you about a conversation I had with my kid. He's got a kid who's in grade one who is six years old. He said his kid came home from school, and his, and his kid says to him, Daddy, Daddy, uh, guess what I learned today? And he says, what did you learn today? He said, Daddy, did you know that two boys can marry each other? And my friend says, my friend who is not a follower of Jesus, who doesn't read the Bible, doesn't hold the same values that many Christians would hold, says to his son, who's six years old, who told you that? Where did you learn this at? And he said, well, my teacher's taught me this. This is what they're teaching me at school. I learned it at school. My teacher taught me. And so that wasn't the end of the conversation. That's not my point for this conversation. That's a whole other conversation in itself. I'm going somewhere else with this conversation. What began to take place was my friend began to tell me how frustrated he was about what was happening in school. He began to talk about how he didn't believe that it's the government's job to tell his children what they can be or not be. How they can change genders if they want to change genders. He began to talk about how he saw a meme online that talked about how it said, I don't know why all these school teachers are so obsessed with my children's genitalia. And so he was talking about how frustrated it was how the kids were being taught these things by the government curriculum instead of things like math and science and reading, things that we need for life. And I was listening to him talk, and he began to talk about how he didn't know what he was going to do. And so him and his wife had decided that they were going to turn to Christian schools. And they decided that, well, if I don't want, listen, again, I'm telling you about my friend who doesn't follow Jesus. He didn't like what his child was being taught. So he said, well, basically, I know that I can go to the Christians because they will be more in line with my thoughts and beliefs about this. And so he said that he began to check out Christian schools for himself, and he found a school that they were interested in and looking out but then they had found out that the school itself, a Christian school, had aligned itself with the values of the world. Is anybody in here alive right now? As somebody who calls himself a Christian, and as a pastor of a church, in that moment, when he was expressing his frustration and saying to me that in his frustration, in his darkness, in the lost place he was at, 
he was turning to the Christians for help. And when he turned to the Christians for help, he found that the Christians that he turned to were no different than the people in the world. It was like he had just stood there, balled up his hand, and punched me in the gut and knocked all the wind out of me. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is where I want to start reading today. Because there's a scripture that talks about this. And the point of my message is not the school. The point of my message isn't even the homosexual agenda, the soji um, curriculum that's being taught. The point of my message is that there is something about Christians that is supposed to be different than the world. And we are living in a dark time where people need the truth. Listen, we're all here today because we believe apparently what this book says. Theoretically, we're here because we try to govern our lives by what this book says. And so we open this book to find out what it says about our lives and our situations. And so we're living in a day and an age where we need to be different than what the world is. We need to look different. We need to sound different. We need to talk different. We need to act different. There needs to be a difference. We shouldn't be the same so that when somebody is lost and in frustration and confused and is looking for answers that they clearly know are out there and when they turn to us, we don't want them to say, oh, you're just like me? You're just like this? There needs to be something different. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and you need to understand something. It's always important when you're reading the Word of God to have an understanding and context about what is being said, which is why it is so important that you probably have some kind of study Bible. So that as you read the Word of God, this Bible that I have right now is, is what is called a preaching Bible. Okay? There's no study notes. There's no writer's thoughts in it. There's no, this is what the Bible says about this. This is what this Greek word means. This is a preaching Bible. It means it just has the scriptures in it and some cross-references. There is another kind of Bible that every follower of Jesus should have in their possession, and it's called a study Bible, where it gives you the context. It gives you the background. It breaks down verses for you and helps you understand what is being talked about. Now, if you don't know what Paul who Paul is talking to, he is talking to people who are called Corinthians. The people in Corinth, is the city where they lived, the people in Corinth uh, lived in a day and an age much like society today. All right? Corinth was known as the center of worship for Aphrodite or for Venus, which was the goddess of what? Love. But it wasn't, it wasn't, Good love, it was lust love. And Corinth was the center of this place. And, and it was dirty and it was perverted. It was so filthy 
that the city of Corinth in their temples of worship for Aphrodite or Venus, listen, one was the Greek version, one was the Roman version. I think Venus is the, the Roman version and Aphrodite is the Greek name. Same, same goddess, different names. And so in their temples, they employed a thousand prostitutes so that what worship looked like was you went to the temple and had sex with the prostitute and that was worship of Venus. And so when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, this is the context of who he's talking to. And it's important you know that because if you look at 1 and 2 Corinthians, you can see that he's dealing with some very intense situations and some very intense topics he's talking about. And so you also need to understand that the people in Corinthians weren't just Jews. They were people who grew up in that culture. Many of them probably grew up worshiping Venus or Aphrodite, and they were used to that kind of culture. They were used to that's what worship looked like. And now they got saved, and they were having to work through these things in their own soul. Are we all on the same page? Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 is where we're going to jump in here. And it says this. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? And how can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Then he says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are temples of the living God. I want to read this to you in a few different translations. The New King James, you probably know this. It says, don't be unequally yoked. A yoke was a piece of wood that would go over two animals' shoulders that would hold them together as one unit, and they would go to work in a field. They would pull a cart. They would go to work in a field. They would, like, pull a plow behind them, right? They were working as a unit. And it says here in New King James, don't be yoked. Don't be tethered to don't be tied with this thing. The Passion Translation says it this way. Don't continue. Everybody say continue. continue. That means you were doing something, but it's time for you to stop. Don't do this anymore. Don't continue to team up with unbelievers in mismatched alliances. For what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? Who could mingle light with darkness? Obviously, the answer is no one. Okay? The Good News translation says it this way. Do not try to work together as equals with unbelievers, for it cannot be done. How can right and wrong be partners? How can light and darkness live together? And so what is happening in context right here is in these temples, these, these unbelievers or these people who have believed one way are trying to have multiple gods be worshipped in one temple. And the Apostle Paul is saying, this can't happen. It won't work well. You can't tether yourself to Aphrodite or Venus and have these kind of gods be worshipped while you're over here worshipping these gods. He's saying, what you need to do is untether yourself from these things. He says you can't be yoked together with an unbeliever. And what he's actually referring to is a reference in Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 10 when Moses is talking to the Israelites and he says this. He says, don't plow a field with an ox and a donkey together. Everybody say ox, ox. and donkey. donkey. We're talking about ox and donkeys today. That was the perfect sneeze. <laughs> Oxen donkeys is what we're talking about today. Now here's why you can't 
tether an ox and a donkey together because they're not the same. They're totally different. I did a deep dive into some animal facts because who doesn't do, love doing deep dives into animal facts? Ox range in size. They can be as little as 1,500 pounds or they can go all the way up to 4,000 pounds. That's a lot of meat. There's ox that can be as tall as seven feet at the, at the, basically the shoulders, the withers they call it. Seven feet. I'm six foot three. That means there's an ox that could be another seven or <laughs> nine inches. <laughs> I'm a preacher, not a mathematician. <laughs> another nine inches taller than me at his shoulders. That's a big cow. And if you try and yoke that cow together with a donkey, well, donkeys are totally different animals. Donkeys are short. They're stubborn. They weigh like a quarter of the weight. The average weight, the average weight of a donkey, let me tell you what it is. So oxen, 1,500 to 4,000. The average donkey is 440 to 570 pounds. And donkeys... We have some here that are a bit higher, but these are like Middle Eastern donkeys, apparently, that I was looking at. They can go from a whopping 35 inches, which is just under three feet tall, to 51 inches is the average height of a donkey. Could you imagine trying to yoke together a 50-inch donkey with a six-foot ox? It just doesn't work. They say that oxen are so docile because they castrate them. And they, they castrate them so they are docile. So they'll do what they want. But donkeys, by nature, are curious. They're stubborn. They want to check stuff out for themselves. They want to go where they want to go. And they don't want anybody to tell them where they go. But ox will go where you tell it to go. They'll do what you tell it to do. They'll be what you want it to be. Are you seeing why you can't yoke these two things together? Because they're totally opposite and different. They're not the same in any way. So, uh, Nadia, come here. We used, we used Sophia in the first service, but I want to show you something. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. 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 This is a really great picture <laughs> for you to look at to try and picture yoking together an ox and a donkey. You're not a donkey. Don't hear me, don't hear me saying that. I know. Thanks, I appreciate that. But look at, look, at, look at the literal height difference between us. And this is comparable to trying to yoke together an ox and a donkey. And even if they tried to actually put a yoke on us, because a yoke goes across the shoulders and ties us together. You couldn't even get a yoke on us. It'd have to be like a specially made yoke with like another two feet of, of depth here. So it would get up to my shoulders. Look at I'm going to put my arm on you. You try and not put your hand here, but across my shoulder. <laughs> doesn't work very well, does it? <laughs> this is what it's like. And so if we were yoked together and teamed up and we went out to work, who do you think is going to be doing all the work? Who do you think is going to be choosing which direction we go? Who do you think is going to be pulling all the weight? 
the bigger one. Thank you. That's so great. You're so wonderful. You're not a donkey in any way. I'm telling you this, and I'm showing you this, because I had this conversation where my friend was lost and broken and lonely, and not lonely, sorry, but just frustrated, looking to the church for answers, looking to Christians. And listen, honestly, this isn't the school's fault. We're not even talking about the school because the school put this vote to Bible-believing Christians, people who say they follow the Word of God. And it was the Christians in the church that voted and say, we're going to go in the same direction that the government is going. And so here we are talking about how we have to be different. And, and Paul says to the Corinthians, you need to not team yourself up with people who don't hold the same values and the same beliefs and the same standards that you hold because it won't work. It's like trying to tether together an ox and a donkey. You're going to end up going in one direction. Both of them aren't working together. And in fact, you both can't work together. Basically, I mean, I just have to pick up Nadia and carry her around. And her little feet will be flying in the air while I did all the walking. It doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because we don't have the same set of standards and values that we hold as truth. Not that people who don't know Jesus aren't as good as us, because honestly, the whole point is to tell people about Jesus that don't know him. But if we look just like the world, and they're lost, and they come looking to us for answers, but we don't look any different than they do, what are they going to do? They're going to turn around and go find an answer somewhere else. We've got to look different. So Paul says, come out. Don't team yourself up. Quit walking. Quit continuing to walk in mismatched alliances. And here's the issue. Many of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, who say that we love Jesus and we love his word and we pray all the time, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And we say it, say, God, have your way in my life. But then when the rubber meets the road, so often we are teamed up with things that we shouldn't be teamed up with. We are teaming up with the mindset of the world. We are teaming up with the thoughts of the world. We are teaming up with the patterns of the world. When God's saying, I'm calling you out of this, you are called to look different. You are called to act different. You are called to be different. Somebody came up after the first service and told me that I was going to get in trouble. They said, you're probably going to get in trouble for that message. That's, that's what I said. <laughs> and they thought it was great. They were like, yeah, you're going to get in trouble for that. That's awesome. I was like, listen, that's not the point. The point is living in a world that is dying and lost and broken needs people who call themselves Christians to act like Christians. The world doesn't need Christians who align with secular values and morals. The world doesn't need people who say we follow Jesus on Sundays, but walk another way Monday to Saturday night. The world needs people who say, this is true, all of it. I don't get to pick and choose which parts I believe and which parts I don't. Because here's why. Listen to me. Once you begin to pick and choose which parts of the Bible you agree with and which parts you don't, you might as well chuck the whole Bible out and go have a party life. 
Either it's all true, listen to me, either it's all true or you might as well throw it away. Because we don't get the luxury to pick and choose what parts we want to agree with. And there has to be something different about us when the world comes knocking at our door that when we open the door and say, hi, I'm so glad you're here, they begin to ask us our questions that they see something different on the inside of us. And they say, these people live different. These people act different. Listen, people that you live your life around, they are going to watch your actions more than they ever listen to the words you say. I heard somebody talking the other day and they said, in the beginning of a relationship, your words matter because people are getting to know you. But then they said, after they know you, all that matters is your actions because they are looking to see if your actions line up with your words. And it's time for the body of Christ to not just talk the talk on Sunday mornings, but walk the walk the rest of their lives. So here's the answer that Paul gives them. He's like, he says, guys, don't team up with these people. Don't team up with people who don't have the same values and beliefs and mindsets as you. He says, here's the answer. In verse 17, let's read this together. He says, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. Can I have all the Team Challenge guys come up here? Can you guys come be an illustration for me? And I want you to come up here on the stage, just in the middle between these two microphones, and just stand in a big group. Nice and close. Like, don't do the Christian, like, we're all going to face everybody. Like, go in a circle. Like, some of you face backwards. Like, face each other. Come here. You guys come over here. Come on. Come on, muscles. Come on, over here. And you can face this way, okay? Like a big group. Not, like, over here. Like, face. There you go. Circle. Yeah, this is great. You guys get in too, man. Get in. Okay. All right. So this is what he says. In verse 17, he says, Come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them. What those words in the Greek literally say is depart from in the middle of them. And it's like this. I'm going to scoot in here in the middle, guys. It's like we're here standing in the middle, a follower of Jesus, saying that we follow him in all we say, in all we do, in all we are. Yet when I look around, I am completely in the thick of it. I'm locked in, I'm hemmed in, I'm surrounded by everybody else. And what the Apostle Paul says is don't team up with these people. And in fact, what you should do is depart from in the middle of them, which means I've got to leave and depart and come over here and remove myself. Somebody came up after the, after the second, first service and they said, you know, you're talking about not being in the world or being in the world, but not being of the world. But what does that look like? You're talking about departing from the midst. Listen, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. 
We are here to reach people for Jesus. So that means that we have to live in the middle of these people. What he's talking about is in your actions and in your lifestyle that you depart and remove yourself and you say, I can't live that life anymore. I can't walk that way. I can't think that way. I can't think that way. I can't think that way. I don't think you're hearing me. I can't think that way. I have to begin to change how I think. I can't align my thoughts with the thoughts of the world. I can't align my thoughts with the thoughts of the world. The world does not speak the truth to me. You don't believe that. The world doesn't speak the truth to you. John 10.10 says, a thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And so everything that the world speaks to you is trying to steal from you, is trying to kill you, is trying to destroy you. And so the Apostle Paul says, come out from among them. And look what happens. Here I am standing over here, and suddenly there's a group of people. The world is over here, and I'm not part of it. I'm not in the middle of it. I'm not in the midst of it in my lifestyle and in my actions and in my thoughts and in my behaviors. I have removed myself. And suddenly these people over here, they can see something different over here. They can say, wait a second. What about that person over there? Maybe there's a hope for me beyond what I'm experiencing, beyond the hurts, beyond the pain, beyond the shame and the guilt and the addictions and all those things that I deal with in my life, the wounds that I've carried around for far too long. Maybe there's a hope. There's a guy standing. There's a woman standing away from us. And, and when we have our conversations, they begin to talk about different things. And when I tell them I'm so hurt, they ask if they can pray for me. And they have different thoughts than I have. Maybe I should leave my little... Come here, come here. you come over here with me. You come over here with me. Maybe I should leave my little group and come find out what's going on. And we begin to talk about life. And you begin to tell me your story. And I begin to say, there's a better way. And let me tell you a higher road to walk. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for you. Let me, sell, let me tell you what he has set you free from and what he's done for you, in you, and through you, and what he wants your life to look like. And then suddenly there's two of us standing here. And somebody over here is struggling. And they say, wait a second. What are those guys doing over there? They look happy. They look whole. They look healed. And suddenly, Jerome says, I want to go see what's going on. What's happening? And suddenly, we're standing over here. Hey, pals, what's up? We begin to talk about life. And we're going to say, you know, God has a plan for you. He's got thoughts for you. He's got things that he planned for you to do way before you were born. The Bible says, actually, that he wrote the days of your life in the palm of his hand. And so he's got a script for you what your life's supposed to look like. And we begin to talk about it. And suddenly, what happens? There's more guys over here that say, wait a second. Wait a minute, what's going on over here? You mean to tell me that my life doesn't have to look like junk? You mean to tell me that my life doesn't have to be trash? You mean to tell me that I don't have to struggle with all this stuff? You mean to tell me that there is a better way? You mean to tell me that there is freedom? And suddenly, everybody starts coming over here. And they're like, forget this. I don't want this trash anymore. And suddenly, we are plundering hell and populating heaven. Great job, guys. Great job. Go, go sit down. Go sit down. Aren't these guys awesome? If somebody gets mad at me for preaching the Word of God, I do not care. 
Because what we're talking about, man, I'll tell you what. When that dude said that to me at the gym, it was honestly, it was like he had just punched me, knocked all the wind out of me. I was thinking about it this morning on the way to church, and it was the exact same as when I used to ride my BMX bike, because I'm that old. We used to have BMX bikes. I was the last of my friends to get a mountain bike. Everybody else had a mountain bike. I had a BMX. And I would go take these jumps. And I, I was thinking about this, actually. It happened more times than I care to admit. I don't know why. But I would go off jumps, and my handlebars would turn sideways. And when I would hit the ground, the handlebar would go right in between my ribs and knock all the air out of me. And that's the exact same feeling I had when my friend told me that he turned to believers of Jesus and found out that they were exactly the same as the world. And I said, good Lord, what is happening when people are crying out, looking for the answers, looking for Jesus, and we look the same as everybody else? And I realized we need to continue to press in to who God is. We are called to be salt. We are called to be light. Jesus didn't come and walk a life on earth where he looked the same as everybody else, did he? If he did, probably none of us would really know about Jesus. Jesus came and disrupted everything because he loved people so much that he didn't care what it looked like. We have to begin to be followers of Jesus that are willing to stand up and be a little salty, that are willing to shed light, that are willing to tell people that there is an answer, that there is hope, and that his name is Jesus Christ. I guarantee you this. I've been a pastor for a long time now. I've been in the ministry for a long time. I guarantee you this. Everybody in this room is dealing with something. Everybody has struggles. Everybody needs Jesus in their life. So often, man, the trick of the enemy is to tell you to keep your mouth shut because it's only you that deals with it. Don't talk to that person about this. They, they don't have problems. They don't have issues. When in reality, everybody has something they need Jesus to do for them in their life. And all it takes is for us to begin to stand up and begin to talk about who he is to us begin to show people through our lives that he has made a change in us, that we're not the same because of the work of Jesus. He did something 2,000-something years ago that changed the game forever. And you need to tell people everywhere you go, you need to tell them with your words, and you need to tell them with your lifestyle that Jesus is real, alive, and he cares about them. Stand up with me. You got something you want to say? I don't think your mic's on. Jen's got her mic on. You have to come up here. Jen's got her mic. Levi. Let's just sit down for a minute. We're, oh. we're going to play musical chairs. Just kidding. We like to have fun in this church, if you've noticed. Okay? Church isn't fun. I don't want to go. Okay? But church is also serious, too, right? We're here for Jesus. You know, as Jake was sharing, I was thinking about this song. Um, some of you might know my best friend from high school. She just went to be with Jesus and. um we did this competition in high school. Remember that song her and I sang, and it was, Will You Be the One? Or no, that was Undivided. It was the song I sang, Will You Be the One? 
to answer when he calls? And will you stand when those around you fall? Will you be the one to take his light into the darkened world? And I can remember standing there singing in front of those judges saying, yes, I'll be the one to answer when he calls. I will stand when those around me fall. I will take his light into a darkened land. I will be the one. God is looking for one man and one woman who will stand up for him. He's looking for one little boy and one little girl who will stand up for him. He's looking for one mother and one father that will stand up for him and say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. He's looking for you. Esther's uncle said to, to her, he said, who knows, Esther, maybe you came into the kingdom for such a time as this. Hope City might not even be your home, but the Lord's saying to you, who knows, maybe you came into Hope City today for such a time as this to hear a word from the pastor that's not afraid and not ashamed to that's preach right. the gospel that's of right. Jesus Christ. Because he loves you and his fear is for the Lord. Jesus loves us so much. He loves us to love us for who we are, but too much to leave us where we're at. Amen. And the spirit of God, like he said this before he started, was he was going to call us out, but he was going to call us up. See, God is always in the business of loving us, but he will call us out and he will call us up. Amen. And the whole time he's calling us, he's saying, I love you. And the whole time I heard this word this morning, it's not hard for me to hear it because it said with words of love and I hear the Lord saying who will stand up this morning for Jesus Christ come on who will take a stand for Jesus Christ this morning who will say as for me and my house we will serve the Lord who will be a parent and saying you know what as for our house we're going to serve the Lord you know what sweetie you know what, it, you're, you're going to be okay. Don't worry, parents, about your kids being lonely. There's worse things in your kids being lonely, and that's confused, okay? I, rem I remember walking through a season that I felt alone, and you know what, as I got older, I just started separating from some of my friends, and I'm so thankful as though it was hard, and I was praying for them as I was separating from them, but I can look at our life and see the fruit in our life. It's different, and I'm still praying for them, amen? But the Spirit of God is saying, come out from among them, like Pastor Jake said so well, and be separate. Who will be the one? Amen? Amen. You know, he says, come out from among them. Don't touch their dirty stuff. And then he says, I will welcome you. You know, and isn't, it's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. He wants to welcome you in. He wants to bring you in. I want to pray for us today. <clears throat> My prayer is that we never have to have conversations like I had earlier this week again because our lives are so transformed and so radically altered for God and his kingdom there's never any doubt in anybody's mind what we believe and who we follow and who our Lord and Savior is. So Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you for your word that always brings truth and it always brings life. 
Father, we thank you for your love that wraps itself around us. And God, I thank you that as we have stood up here saying that we will be the ones to stand up for you in a dark world, in a world that is quickly going cold and full of perversion and is lost, Jesus, that you are turning up the lights of our heart. Father, we repent of the things in our life where maybe we were an ox or we were a donkey and we partnered with thoughts, we partnered with beliefs, we partnered with mindsets of the world. And Father, I ask in the name of Jesus right now that with your help and by your strength, we, we begin to remove those yokes we come out of mismatched alliances with, with the things of the world. We remove the lies. We remove the anger. We remove the false beliefs. And Father, I ask that you begin to wipe away the blindness from our eyes so that we can see clearly, clearly through the lens of your love and your word. Jesus, that we can be the people that you have called us to be. That we can love the way that you have called us to love Jesus. And sometimes that means saying hard things. But Jesus, give us the grace and the strength to say those hard things in love so people always feel you and your presence. God, we're just so thankful all you are and for all you're doing. Jesus, we love you so much. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. You know what it is? It's, it's love is calling us to love, church. <laughs>